Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Oh, welcome back one. Welcome back all to the Pause Reviews Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my good friend, Tim. Tim, yeah. welcome, sir. Thank you. Did you have a good holiday? Yeah. <laughs> That's a little weird, right? <laughs> it was, I'll be real honest, it just didn't feel like the fourth, which is fine. The truth is, and I don't say this in, in that I make light of independence day i i don't but it's not one that we go crazy for like we observe in reflection and just sort of rest like because we're not night owls so trying to stay up for fireworks we did the fourth on the mall year like back in college because you know my wife Alyssa, she's not from this area and all of our friends weren't really from this area and so we went because it was one of those things they felt they had to do. I had yeah, you got to knock, z- knock it off the DC bucket list. Yeah. Exactly. I had zero interest. It was hot. DC summer. It was awful. Yeah. Like you couldn't see the performance. Now I will say this. My mom worked for the Department of Labor. And for a lot of years, they did like a lottery for tickets where you could win tickets to watch the fireworks from the roof of their building because she was on like third and constitution. So she's right there. And that was awesome because you're like sitting in comfort. You could go inside if you needed to, and you could hear all the music. You could see the fireworks. That was great. We had parking in the building. We didn't have to walk anywhere, but yeah, I don't know. So, so there's that plus, but now you factor in COVID and, and the fact that you really can't do anything. You can't see anybody. Also, this was like one of those weekends that we ended up using to catch up on stuff, man, clean the house. Kids were, you know, getting stitches and swallowing, yeah. you know, game pieces and toy. Like, uh, dude, it was a debacle. It was a debacle. Yeah. What about you guys? Uh, Yeah, well, we took the opportunity to get out of state for the first time safely. Um, right. We were like, change of scenery. My parents have a pool. So it was like, it's going to be super hot this weekend. Three days off. So we got up early Friday, drove up to Delaware. It's only like two hour and 20 minute with no traffic. Yeah. So it's not bad. Um, I did a bunch of work for my parents around their house, stuff that needed to be touched up on and then just spent time in the pool. I know, man. So my you, you sent me that shot and uh, <laughs> my wife was furious with you. Like, dude, that is her thing. That is yeah, her uh, thing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, saw my grandparents from a distance. Um, it was a little weird. My mom got in a little bit of a fender bender while we were there. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of drama. She ran out to the store real quick to pick something up. Um, she was worried about my grandfather, and then she called me ten minutes later, and she's like, "Just got in an accident." So, jeez, yeah, Every, everything all right? That. Yeah, everything is fine. It's cosmetic, um, but you know, just enough to kind of like shake things up a little bit. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So then the rest of it was just kind of hanging out, and we didn't really want to go anywhere. Didn't really want to do anything, and it was really really hot this weekend so boiling hot that's the other thing normally like i like i'm a big grill guy but i have not been good about cleaning the grill so the last time i used it which was maybe two or three weeks ago 
uh, it caught full on fire. So uh, I had yeah. to douse it in baking soda. But it was, you know, so, it, and it's been one of those things like, I got to clean the grill so we can use it again. It, it, I mean, we're literally talking like, just scrape the grease off the sides. That's right. what I got to do. Right. And it's been so hot, I haven't been able to bring myself to do it. And now my son's birthday's coming up, and, and he wants me to grill up some stuff. And, and, I'll, and I'm just like, I'm looking outside. <laughs> like, I'm not going out there. Yeah. Yeah. Fat guys in the heat, we don't mix. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not to mention I'm covered head to toe in hair. So yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. not going to happen. It was not pretty. Um, you know, but it's nice to at least change scenery for a little bit. And No, that's awesome. We hope everybody stays well. Yeah, but it's weird. It's just that specter of everything just hanging over everything in the background. It's still just, it's just weird. Yeah, so. we've been dabbling with the idea of, you know, having family quarantine and come for visit or something like that. And, you know, because we do have to be extra careful. I've said it before, you know, we've got high risk folks in the house. Yeah. And so we've been on major lockdown. But, you know, and a big part of it is it's like you can't, even even if you do everything right, you still have this looming cloud over anything you try to do that it's almost like my my question to myself has always been even if even if we can find a way to make this happen can i enjoy it or am i just going to spend the whole time worrying that once it's over i'm going to be sick the kids are going to be sick my wife's going to be my you know folks are going to be sick like i don't know so it's it kind of and that's sort of that thing that it's another one of those things that sits in the background and just makes this entire pandemic and everything just so much worse because even if you can find a way to have some levity and some sense of normalcy you just can't enjoy it you know which is terrible and it's only going to be worse if something happens you know i mean my parents got tested before we went up and i know we haven't really been anywhere um but you know if something happens if somebody gets sick after this weekend it's going to be like oh man you know it's just there's going to be some kind of guilt involved in that well all it takes is one google search and you find all the articles of like man we shouldn't have done this barbecue now this person's dead yeah it's terrible well hopefully uh you know hopefully everything ends up good i'm sure it will i know you guys are like crazy careful so yeah it's so you know i I feel like it was like it had to come up for air for a little bit so now we'll go yes put our heads down again and maybe we'll do it again in august or something labor day you know we'll go up just again <laughs> borrow the pool again for a couple days yeah i think i think Alyssa's gonna ask to tag along <laughs> on that one um, easy enough easy enough i'll stay here though in the air conditioning yeah <laughs> don't worry about me all right so yeah hopefully everybody out there had a good weekend and and enjoyed their holiday and what else yeah we've got a lot to talk about this week yeah a lot of stuff we watched i mean it was we had a long weekend in there plenty of time to catch up on stuff and and there's also some new stuff we kind of want to talk about and we're going to try to burn through that stuff so we can really dive in and focus on these shows and these movies we've been watching yeah we've got a couple of good things uh to talk about i'm excited yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll just give the rundown. This week we're going to talk about Unsolved Mysteries. We're going to talk about Eurovision. We're going to talk about Hamilton. And if there's time, we'll sprinkle in maybe one or two other things. But a lot happened, and so obviously we got to touch on this stuff. Yeah, totally. We almost did, I'm speaking of Hamilton, we almost did like a full standalone. Yeah. But I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> I needed to digest it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, watch it five more times yeah <laughs> not yet but that is coming okay so with that let's dive straight into the news we lost some heavies this this past week or two 
And I want to open up with that. Back in June, June 22nd, 2020, Joel Schumacher, director, producer, uh, actor, he died at the age of 80. Uh, Joel Schumacher, if you don't know, probably most famous for The Lost Boys and the Batman films. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which personally I hated, but he did uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, you know, and he gets a lot of smack for kind of bringing about the downfall of that franchise that Tim Burton mm. had done. I will say this, 1989 Batman is one of the greatest films ever. It's my, one of my favorite Batman films, Michael Keaton, Tim Burton teaming up, and it was fantastic. Anyone who says that the downslide didn't start with Batman Returns is not being honest with themselves. Mm, Batman Returns is not strong. It's still Tim Burton. You still got Michael Keaton. Batman's in the movie for maybe eight minutes. It starts to get super campy. You have more than one villain. You ha- Right? So, like, the dominoes had already started to fall. Uh, yeah. Joel Schumacher, what he did, love it or hate it, he brought the, the comic book to life again. And that was not something I enjoyed at the time, but I can appreciate it. And and he was just such a visionary when it came to filmmaking. And what a voice. And, and anything you saw, whether you loved it or not, it was it was guaranteed to be stunning on screen. And that, that kind of vision is going to be just sincerely missed so Mm -hmm. that was that was a hard hit for me yeah i have to admit i got a copy vhs copy for my birthday when i was in fourth grade of batman forever i thought you were gonna say the lost boys no no (laughs) batman forever Uh uh-huh and i watched the crap out of that i will say of the of the two batman forever was my favorite hands down Yeah. yeah 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 Yeah. I just I don't know why I never really was into superheroes, but just or, or Batman that just got me. And I just watched that movie over and over and over. Again. Well, especially that age, man, it was stunning. It was stunning yeah. to look at the colors, which yeah. is such a stark contrast from Burton's Batman, which yeah. was so grounded in like the the depths of the darkness of the character and of the comics. This just yeah. brought it looked like a comic book. Colors, sure. colors, colors. But you had yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Jim Carrey as the Riddler was perfection. And Val yeah. Kilmer was solid. Like, I yeah. I bought it. I mean, the cast, I mean, Nicole Kidman, like, that movie was pretty pretty solid cast-wise. Yeah, yeah. God, I just, I, I hated it when, when I read that he was gone. He will be missed. Yeah. Um, The next one, man, this one hits bad, too. So July 5th, 2020, we lost Nick Cordero. He died at the age of 41 from complications of mm-hmm. COVID-19. Nick was uh, primarily a theater actor, but he, you know, he did some television and and some other stuff. So he was stage and screen, and he's had a really highly publicized battle with with COVID over the past yeah. few months, even. And while uh, while it's heartbreaking that that he wasn't able to, you know, bounce back from this, you know, it's almost like. It was so bad. It was just so yeah. bad. And you, I can't even begin to imagine how rough it's been for his wife. He was a father of, what, a year maybe? Not even? Yeah. His son yeah. was one. So, yeah, survived by his wife and his, his young son. And that one was just heartbreaking because we've sort of... I, it feels weird to say, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it's almost like I feel like we've all 
you know, all of us who follow theater, film, and, and and this type of news cycle, you know, his wife has been so vocal about yeah. the battle, just yeah. trying to like, you know, if their experience can help anybody else to accept the realities of this, and that it can hit anybody. It isn't just elderly. She's been so vocal in their struggle with this that I feel like we've all kind of been, mm-hmm. part, not part of it, but just aware of it and following it and. Yeah. So it, this was this was definitely a, a rough one to to hear about and so 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 tragic and any time a life is cut that short but especially I don't know especially now yeah it's you know it's in such stark contrast to to you know everybody is like it goes back to Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson getting coronavirus early on and you know, I think Tom Hanks gave it an interview recently kind of detailing more in depth about what him and his wife had went through and that she was a little sicker than he was. Um, but Which, and he has, like, he's, he's a high risk. He's got diabetes yeah. and he has yeah. heart stuff. And so like, I feel like, you know, they were pretty high profile, but everybody else that's kind of been high profile athlete or actor or otherwise, you know, it's like, Oh, I've been diagnosed and I'm asymptomatic or I'm getting better or it's not that bad. Right. And so this, you know, like, like you said, she was just kind of, she, you know, whether that was her way of coping it with it or whatnot, she was just, she shared a lot of information, you know, yeah. throughout the way, multiple surgeries that he had. I know he, they amputated a leg at one yeah. point. And so she was really kind of, you know, you know, out there with it and everybody, I mean, I definitely felt like I was, you know, looking for updates and definitely pulling for him. Um, so it was really, it was, it was really, really disheartening to, to hear. Um, but that's just, it was, ugh, yeah. I mean, honestly, even my wife, who doesn't really follow um, this kind of stuff, when I had said, I was like, oh, man, Nick Cordero died, she immediately was like, oh, no, you know, because she yeah. was following it. And, and yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, like I said, we keep all these families in prayer and hope that, you know, they can find some kind of peace down the road but right now you know I, I i couldn't fathom it and it was just it was heartbreaking it was heartbreaking yeah for sure all right and then lastly on june 29th 2020 we lost carl reiner who just legend legend is the only word that comes to mind you know yeah. an actor comedian director writer what some people maybe don't know he created the dick van dyke show Um, he, I want to say he directed the jerk or wrote the jerk. We're we're obviously going to have to touch on that in the next arrows and emissions. Um, but then I, I feel like most people, uh, in sort of the millennial generation would recognize him more from the oceans 11 oceans 12 films where he he acted in that but carl reiner what a loss i watched a lot of the dick van dyke show when i was little because i fell asleep to nick at night like that was like i my i'd fall asleep in my parents bed then you know they'd carry me out to to my bed that was just the thing that i did for a long time so i watched a lot of those shows growing up but also oceans 11 his character of Saul might be my favorite character in uh, in those movies. He was Never amazing. cared for the uh, Ocean's Twelve, but Ocean's Eleven and Thirteen. I just I loved his character in those. It's tough. We're just uh, losing so many amazing people. I mean, what an incre- incredible life um, and a legacy. There's a great photo that his Twitter posted of him with Mel Brooks wearing Black Lives Matter T-shirts. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing picture. I uh, just thought that was that was really fun. 
but yeah, it's just that, you know, that's just another one that, that, that hits home and you just, you're blessed with such a long career. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just tough. Yeah. Like, and it's, uh, and it just kind of reminds us that, you know, I don't know, it, it, we're sort of entering that phase in our lives, right? Like our parents have already seen a lot of the, the talent and the folks that they grew up with, you know, exiting and, yeah. and, and we haven't really had that yet. And all of a sudden now these are going to start hitting home more and more and more because I feel like we're just starting to lose the ones who, who started to actually shape us in our childhood. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously yeah. Dick Van Dyke showed that stuff that was way before us, but we grew up on that because it was in syndication and it was what yeah. you watched all the time. And and so, again, it's it's these are the ones that you feel the most. And at least, like you said, what a great life, what a legacy, and, and a good long life. And I, I don't know, he, he won it. You know, if it's a game, yeah. he came out yep. on top for sure. So that's, Absolutely. um, I guess that one ends a bit more positively, but still it's, it's so hard. It's so hard yeah. to lose these. Oh, all right. That being done, we got the, we took the salt. Now let's get yeah. into some sugar and let's talk yeah. about some news. Big announcement. If you're a fan like me of the show Cobra Kai, which was formerly on YouTube. Cobra Kai makes the move from YouTube Red to Netflix. Tim, have you seen this, by the way? I have not, but Bro. I know it's been dancing. It's been dancing around my periphery, and I know people are really, really big on it. Well, it's coming to Netflix now, so get ready to binge, my okay. friend. I remember when this came out on YouTube. I didn't have YouTube Red, so it wasn't going to happen. I also just kind of was like, why? I took a job when I left Ford's, I went to go work for a digital agency and it was someone there who made the recommendation to me. I think season two had just started and I had since gotten YouTube TV. And if you had YouTube TV, you got, you know, access to all the originals. Mm -hmm. I must've watched the first two seasons within a day and a half. I couldn't stop watching them. This show is fantastic. The premise basically is Johnny, uh, as a grown old man, his life has not played out well. Daniel LaRusso has had huge success, right? So he owns like a whole fleet of car dealerships. And so basically everywhere Johnny goes, he sees Danny's face and, and what could have been his and, and et cetera, right? So he finds purpose again by reopening Cobra Kai Dojo. And essentially what they end up doing is they take... So, so while the story centers around the original characters, Johnny and Daniel... It's really the story of the next generation coming up. And the way they kind of juxtapose it, right, is is in the original films, Cobra Kai was like all the bad kids, all the yeah. ruffians. And then uh, Miyagi-Do obviously has Daniel, who is this sweet at heart, innocent kid. They flip that. And so they take this sort of really sweet, innocent kid, no relation to Daniel, but kind of the the modern version of what he would have been and he goes to cobra kai and then johnny has a son and the son is taught by daniel and so you sort of take the the ruffian and you teach him the miyagi way and you take the innocent and he gets exposed to cobra kai and then what happens there what's the dynamic and it's freaking fascinating and you can't take your eyes away and season two Good Lord, like it gets wild. 
Okay, so that's a quick rundown of what it is. Uh, literally the day after we recorded our last Rewind episode, Netflix announced that it had acquired the YouTube original series. They had two <laughs> successful seasons on YouTube, and YouTube had ordered a third. However, they have since made the exit from scripted scene, so they're no longer doing originals, they're no longer doing scripted television, and they informed Sony, who is the uh, production studio of the show, uh, they informed them that they wouldn't be ordering a fourth, so Sony took it out on the market and was like, who wants this? The idea was originally being shopped around Netflix, like originally, before season one. Netflix was mm -hmm. high up in the bidding war, but eventually lost out to YouTube, who was really making a massive push uh, to up their demographic and go after some serious ad money and really like bring in more cash. So, so they made the deal with Sony and brought it in. And now in the end, Netflix got the show and better yet, the show is tried and tested. It has a huge fan base. It's a proven hit. So people are going to come flocking. It's awesome. Right? So seasons one and two are expected to hit the platform later this year. And a uh, drop date for season three still hasn't been announced. Season two ended so crazy. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do next. And and I would imagine based on the success of whatever ends up happening with season three, there'll be a four, there'll be whatever it is. But regardless, I think even this month in July in preparation, all the original films are up there. So you can kind oh. of work your way through that and get awesome. ready for Cobra Kai. So, dude, it's so good. Cool. Highly recommended. All right, what else? Okay, it's been, you know, 20 minutes since we haven't talked about some Batman news. In the time that we met last, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, the Batman, he is back in talks with Warner Brothers and DC to reprise his role as Batman for the upcoming Flash film starring Ezra Miller. This makes me... All kinds of giddy inside. <laughs> and let me tell you why. Uh, number one, uh, may, it would be absolutely amazing to see him reprise the role, especially now. Honestly, from just an aesthetic point of view, I love the look of an old Michael Keaton coming at Bruce Wayne again. Like when I think about 1989 and he's still just, I don't know, there was still something soft about him. There's a hardness to yeah. him now. And that yeah. that comes to me from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming where he plays Vulture, mm. and he mm -hmm. was so gritty and awesome. And I can I can see a beat-down, worn-down, like, just battle-weary, battle-hardened Bruce Wayne as an old man. You know, I can see the sprinkles of Dark Knight Returns. If you've read the Frank Miller comics, it's got all that potential. Now, we know that The Flash is going to be centered around not only time travel, but also, like, interdimensional travel. So there's going to mm. be the idea of multiple Earths, various dimensions. So is he going to be a Bruce Wayne from another dimension? Is he going to be a future Bruce Wayne? Now, as exciting as it is... It's now, okay, and then obviously, obviously, the masses, me included, I posted this on Instagram, we're already looking ahead to the possibility of the Batman Beyond film, right? Because right. that was premised on the fact that Bruce Wayne is super old, this kid Terry McGinnis comes in, becomes the new Batman, and he's mentored and taught up by 
the old Bruce Wayne. And I can absolutely see Keaton doing that. Oh, God, it would be so good. But it brings up a lot of questions, too. The Batman, the film set to release in 2021, starring uh, our Pats, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, right. That's still a go. And and so this is all going to be... They went from trying to attack this DC extended universe to really segmenting things out, which is which is great, right? They don't have to be interconnected. But I sure. can definitely see the water starting to muddy when you start to have so many tangential storylines going on. HBO mm-hmm. is is doing the Snyder Cut, which is going to bring back Ben Affleck as Batman. There's a lot of news centered around the fact that Ben Affleck is also supposedly rumored to have inked a new deal with hmm. HBO to reprise the role as Batman. Now... Ben Affleck, in many interviews, has already talked about how excited he is to see Robert Pattinson in the role, how he has left that behind. That's not the stories he's interested in telling anymore. You know, after his battles with alcoholism and all his struggles, he's really much more interested in the films that he's telling now, um, the stories he's telling now in his films, like The Way Back. But I, I, I feel like that deal he's signing is in case, you know, there's got to be some kind of a reshoot or or they need to use his likeness or, or whatever the situation may be because they are moving forward with this whole Snyderverse, right? Right, right. But theoretically, you could have three simultaneous Bruce Waynes all existing at the same time. Now, albeit in their, you know, respective films, which are supposedly to be standalones, but yeah. I don't know. And and that can't be true if well, I guess I guess still, you know, it's going to be so weird watching the Snyder cut stuff, watching the, you know, the Justice League films where Ezra Miller is the Flash and you're going to then have a Flash movie come out and you're telling me that that's not the same, right? Which Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, Wonder Woman came out when it was still I I guess Aquaman was the first one that sort of broke free and did its own thing but it was a prequel so i guess that made sense i don't know there's a lot swirling around my brain right now of of excitement but also trepidation yeah i mean we've talked about it briefly before um i mean i guess i guess you i guess i'm open to anything because Marvel is the only one that's pulled off the cinematic universe. And they're the only ones who ever will. Yeah. I mean, Disney made a half-assed attempt to do it with Star Wars and just, you know, backed into it wrong with the Solo movie. I liked Solo. A lot of people don't. You know, that that wasn't the story I think they needed to tell. And they had grand plans to do, you know, Kenobi and a a Boba Fett movie and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And obviously it hasn't worked for the DC stuff either. Um, so try something different. I mean, I guess. Right, <laughs> right. See where it goes. I mean. Yeah, this could be really cool. I just, again, I just, I worry about, it, it almost feels like you're just trying too hard. Like maybe you're trying to, I don't know, hedge your bets or something maybe where yeah, it's right. like, well, what if Robert Pattinson doesn't work out? What if the Batman, I mean, it's already gone through so many iterations and changes. You know, Ben Affleck was supposed to write direct star and then suddenly, yeah. you know, step by step, it's all, it's kind of become something totally different now. And I mean, I guess, I guess there's a chance that they find their groove. I mean, I think a lot of people 
you know, you forget the early days of Marvel when we had a bunch of different Hulks and some of those absolutely horrible movies, you know, back mm. way early on. And then they found their groove. So maybe this is they just need to figure out <laughs> figure out what they're doing. They're just going to throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, hedging your bets, maybe. Yeah, and it's interesting. And, and I get it. I mean, I get it. If, if Pattinson doesn't work out, then the next one is somebody different and you just sort of yeah. keep plugging away at it. But can you imagine if within... I don't know, six months of each other. You had Eric Bana, uh, Ed Norton, and Mark Ruffalo all playing the Hulk all at the same time. Right. You know, it would just, right. it's just, I don't know. There's something odd about it. I think, though, what I am, I am definitely excited about the idea of Michael Keaton coming back. I guess yeah. they've already been in talks that if Keaton falls through, they're, they're going to reach out to Christian Bale. You know, the goal is really to bring in somebody who has done the job right and well and that is obviously loved by fans because you have to i don't know you got to bring in the people but it's it's a it's an interesting situation and one that i'm definitely going to be watching closely and we'll see kind of what happens uh in the meantime i guess we'll have a lot of batman to look forward to because (laughs) there's gonna be three of them at any given time Uh, maybe maybe all right uh well, I have one last thing that I just want to mention real quick because yeah. I thought this was interesting. And um, I'm just going to throw this out there. But uh, after the weekend, so as of June 22nd, the weekend prior to that, mm-hmm. 27 years after original release, Jurassic Park was number one at the box office. Dude, that's wild. What is Is it playing somewhere and, and a few people braved it and went and saw it? <laughs> well, so they were playing it at the drive throughs and apparently a ton of people bought tickets so yeah yeah for the fourth time in its release history uh this past weekend uh, so obviously again this was published on june 22nd so it was the father's day weekend it was number one at the box office earning just over five hundred thousand dollars that's wild yeah it played at 230 sites and uh it was actually a double feature with uh, jaws so jaws to come Yeah, Jaws took home just slightly less. So uh, number, two, was, number two, <laughs> right. number two, at so the box Jurassic office. Park was five seventeen, and Jaws was five sixteen. Uh, but that one was only playing at one hundred and eighty seven locations. So those are oh, so a higher per screen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So those are your your respective number one and number two weekends. So they beat out the Invisible Man and uh, Trolls World Tour. <laughs> That's awesome. I did hear. Speaking of Jurassic Park, it seems like. <sighs> I feel like I read that Goldblum, Sam Neill, and Laura Dern, Laura Dern. are all yeah. on for Jurassic World 3. Yeah, and the piece that I heard is that they have significant roles throughout the movie. Yeah, that's so, going to be exciting. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. And uh, sort of in that same vein, we heard a little bit from Ernie Hudson this past week about a little bit more on the Ghostbusters afterlife. And he insinuated that the old guard does suit up in their jumpsuits and proton packs at some point. So that's, that's been a, yeah, that's been a major, uh, a, a, a kind of a, a wondering point for a lot of fans. Like, will they, won't they, is that the purpose? Um, but he sort of insinuated that they did. And um, that was really emotional for him. He said, because that was, you know, the first time it was obvious that Harold Ramis is not, is not part of the group, but he, his exact quote was something along the lines of, it was really tough to be in that lineup and be missing a key without member Harold. Of it. So, Reynolds, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be really interesting. So that kind of got me, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, 
Michael Keaton back in the cape and the cowl, and I'm like, ooh, we got Ernie Hudson know. back in the proton pack. Yeah, so yes. it's like, hey, okay, that's that's what I, I want to see it. I want to see it. That's what I've been waiting for. So oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I'm also super excited about Jurassic Park too. Uh, I mean, uh, the last one was weird. Fallen Kingdom. Or Fallen something? Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, like to see them close it out. Yeah. Yeah, I've enjoyed these new ones. I've definitely enjoyed them more than I had the sequels of Jurassic Park, but yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. It'll be this yeah. will be a nice bow on the whole thing. Although I doubt it'll be the yeah. last one, but it might be the last Probably one we not. see with Bryce Dallas Howard and uh and Chris Pratt. Right. All right. So with that, let's try our best to dive into what we've been watching tim so this is another one of those weeks where tim and i synced up and we basically watched the exact same stuff so uh we're gonna come at this and just sort of dive into each one briefly give a little overview what we think about it what we liked or or whatever the situation is and and we'll kind of go from there uh we already talked at the at the start of this we watched unsolved mysteries eurovision and hamilton there's also a couple other things time permitting that i might chat about briefly but we'll see if we get there so let's just jump in with the first one unsolved mysteries this is the revamp of the original show on netflix out the gate i will tell you i loved this I loved this remake. Those of you like me who as a kid stayed up and watched Robert Stack tell me all about the UFOs and I watched a bunch of nobodies reenact a bunch of cheesy stuff. It was one of my favorite things ever. Ever. And this yeah. was this was at a time like I remember as a kid it was unsolved mysteries rescue 911 with Will Shatner. Oh yeah. And uh-huh. you know there was just it was uh, America's most wanted. This was like <laughs> my 8 p.m. viewing. And it, and if I could convince my mom to let me stay up or whatever I would just run through these and they oh, yeah. were awesome. And and unsolved mysteries was hands down my favorite. You know old Bobby Stacks with his with his trench coat on and and always walking out of something or walking into some room like you know and it was just so good so the original with Robert Stack was you had a couple of stories per episode and like I want to say maybe somewhere like three to five depending right yeah and then it was full-blown reenactments sometimes you'd get some talking heads but it was mostly reenactments with reenactment dialogue mind you like the the little actors would speak lines and uh and then and then robert stack would narrate the whole thing host the whole show and, and the whole night what i loved was it was always this mix of like murder mystery true crime but also supernatural you got a lot of ufos and all this other kind of stuff which was just oh yeah Oh, it was so good. The yeah. Netflix show is so different and in my opinion, so much better. You this is done as a true docu-series. Each hour episode is fully devoted to one story. So you are getting a deep dive into all the nitty-gritty details of every single story. There is no host 
which is brilliant because you don't have to try to be measured up to or, or live up to the memory of Robert Stack, but, and, and which, which Unsolved Mystery tried. It was redone when it got sold off to cable. Uh, Dennis Farina was the host for a long time, and that was not good right and and so netflix is like we're getting rid of that so even though it's the same creative team behind the series you know and my favorite part tim when that music hits in that intro it takes me back immediately and then you get that ghostly like you know image of robert stack right at the end right before the title card and you're just like yes it's so gratifying fulfilling and then the stories each one is so good. There were some that were maybe a little bit weaker, but overall, I, I absolutely loved that they let the people involved do the talking. Reenactments mm-hmm. are really just barely sprinkled in just for a little cut scene here or there. It's always yeah. dialogue over top. You're letting the actual people tell the stories. You don't have any cheesy dialogue. And it really, I found it absolutely engrossing. Even one of them is foreign language. One of them is in French. The entire thing. And I didn't skip a beat. I was glued to the screen watching one after the other. I love, love, love this recreation. I cannot wait. They released six all at once. There's going to be a volume two I hear later this year with another six. I am dying, dying to watch them. Yeah, I missed the memo on this, so not until you had said that you were tuning into this, I was like, whoa, 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 what is this? Oh, really? Because, like you, uh, yeah, I totally missed the memo. Um, I was, I mean, I was all over this show, and if I look back in my life, some of my interests now are completely formed out of watching this show. I mean, Mm. the podcasts I listen to, I listen to a lot of lore, which is, you know, about ghosts and and mysteries. And And the chupacabra. um, yeah, exactly. You know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Mothman, Chupacabra. Um, my like deep-seated childhood anxiety and fear of aliens is directly a result of unsolved mystery episodes. Oh, know, that's like, true. Fear that aliens were watching me sleep. Like, I mean, and this is just you know that's transferred from like transitioned from childhood fear into you know hobbies now you know it's like i I listen to all sorts of podcasts about this stuff conspiracy theories all that kind of thing so i was right into this um and i i devoured these quick i will it, it definitely has the spirit um i will say that if you are looking for just a rehash of the original it's it's not gonna be that Mm-mm. um i do think they they definitely spend more time and go in depth about these cases I do wish that we got maybe another more supernatural episode. Um, the Out of the six episodes, we have one about UFOs, and the other five are missing persons cases. Right. There are creepy elements, especially to the second episode, that are just kind of gruesome. Not that they are bad or unsolved or, or not interesting in any way. It's just I would have liked a little bit more of a mix um, into these. I agree with that 100%. I was actually surprised that out of six, there was only one UFO supernatural. Because I feel like with the original, every single episode gave you one. Yeah, they were always heavy on that, whether it was you know spontaneous human combustion <laughs> or you know um, <laughs> something something crazy like that. But again, you know, you had that you had that opportunity very much like what we do with these rundown episodes you have that kind of 
opportunity to get in there and do some quick fire stuff. Um, so getting in depth on some of these, I think, is really going to be great. And and not uh, not to overshadow the fact that you know just by getting these stories out there has always helped lead to possible resolution. You know, for a long time yeah. they had the update segments where they would kick it over to Keely Shea Smith and she would come in from their little like call center and you know, oh, we have an update on a previous episode. And even episodes going back years in the series. They were like, you know, from this episode that we aired a couple years ago, we have an update. We can close this case due to your um, you know, due, due to viewers. And already we're seeing articles come in, um, you know, what this has been on Netflix for what, maybe a a week at this point, almost yeah, a week. Yeah. Um, there's an article in the Chicago Sun Times that some of the producers uh, they feel like they've gotten uh, out of the tips that they've gotten, they've gotten 20 credit credible tips to some of these uh, cases already. So, yep. um, you know, especially for those five episodes where families are are trying to figure out what happened to their loved ones. You know, um, I think except for one, we have confirmed that all of the spoiler alert we have confirmed that everyone who is missing has has passed away um but we haven't necessarily found the remains of everyone and there are a couple of people who are still sort of mia for for certain reasons uh, that you'll find out but anything you know to to bring closure to to these families if some of these tips are helpful um that was also you know sort of the other end of the show for me as a kid you know, same thing with america's most wanted a lot of the times we get this information out there people jogs people's memory people forget you know, people don't remember where they were. Um, suddenly something, you know, clicks and, you know, maybe maybe we can get some information for some of these families. Or people don't realize that some of these things happened and, you know, they were working with this guy or, or whatever the situation. And it's just zero clue that this had happened in this town or, or whatever the situation may be. I mean, you're telling me I, the first episode uh, opens in. Baltimore City and the disappearance of Ray Rivera. He his body was found in a conference room of the Belvedere Hotel, possibly having plummeted from some height through the, the ceiling of this conference room. Mm-hmm. And I lived a block away, block or two away from this hotel. That neighborhood is where I spent many nights of a year and a half, like out at the bars. And I knew people who worked at this hotel, never heard a thing about this. So I worked there in 2010 and I think he, he went missing in 2004. So no one ever mentioned it, never heard of it. Like this was the neighborhood I lived in for a year and this had happened six years earlier and no one mentioned it. Well, and you think about it, who knows, right? Maybe someone was at a bar and he was there too. And he remembers him for some reason that day, but didn't hear that he had gone missing or or that any of this had happened and went about his life and was like, I was with him this night. And then that leads to something else, at least something else. So not only is this show amazingly well done and engrossing um especially if you're a fan of true crime and and things like that but it it, you're absolutely right it it serves a purpose and and i'll say too i do think i i mean i already said it this show is to me far superior even than the original which i absolutely loved you know i think letting the people involved and the family members affected and sharing their memories of what happened those nights and letting that narrate the the docuseries each episode and letting that be the driving force behind each story just makes it so much more powerful you know i felt i always felt very disconnected from the original one because you're watching actors play the role i'm listening to robert stack none of it 
all of it was acted all of it right this felt so visceral and real it 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 almost felt like i shouldn't be watching it or i, I don't know it just it really really got to me and and i i mean i loved it i thought it was fantastic and and i hope it does some good um and it sounds like it already is so again if if you're at all interested this is a huge recommendation for me this is this is yeah, one of those moments that netflix just really gets it right yeah and i will i will also say that even though we've you know we've said we would like a little bit of variety in the episodes, none of them are the same, and none of them feel right. the same. Right, they are all very different circumstances, and um, you come away with feeling some sort of way about everyone. I mean, that first one about Ray Rivera, I have no idea. Uh, that one just is literally confounding. A couple of the other ones, you could definitely pin it on a couple people because just the way you read into some of their comments and things. But just the the, the shocking part of all of these stories um, outside of the UFO one is they're all more recent. You know, in this time where we are so interconnected and there are cameras everywhere, these people still went missing and they have disappeared that is and, the most wild part. We're not talking about stuff that happened in 1972. Right. Like, this is stuff that We're happened in the 20 odds. 2004 downtown Baltimore, and this guy goes missing for six days. Like, how? It's just, it, 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 it's great. But, you know, I definitely, if you like the original, definitely check it out. Like Frank said, if you are into any of the true crime, definitely watch them. They all offer something unique. Um, and they're just i don't want to say fun because it's not fun but no they're, right. they're a good watch uh, absolutely if, if you're looking for something like this definitely it's been a high recommendation of me uh, for me for throughout the weekend for sure awesome yeah we are in agreement sir what's next my friend okay so in what might be a first for us mm-hmm. um, i watched i watched something first and i kicked it over to frank and we may have it sounds like we have different different differing opinions on this one um but i watched your provision uh song contest the story of fire saga again missed the memo on this just saw it on netflix and i was like eh, i could go for a, a good will ferrell romp um so this is will ferrell doing uh you know his will ferrell thing with uh <laughs> rachel mcadams so it's a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> a hangover reunion you know what i mean when I say his Will Ferrell thing. like So think of this in the vein of A Talladega Nights or Blades of Glory, that kind of... Uh, Definitely think about this more as Blades of Glory. <laughs> but yes, for sure. <laughs> you know, it's like that, that sort of faux uh, mockumentary-esque kind of feel to it. Uh, you know, not not like a spinal tap or anything like that, but it, that, that's sort of how they're playing it out. Um, and long story short, this is Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. They are two Norwegian local musicians. They're childhood friends, and they've grown up watching the Eurovision contests. So if you're unfamiliar with this, it's a you know, pop music contest in Europe, and, and countries compete. It's like the Olympics of pop music, I guess. Or an that's a great, yeah, that's a great person, you know. And, you know, there are celebrities who are part, like, you become a celebrity, you know, and um, at least from the way this movie portrays it is you have different, you know, like the Olympics, you have buildup. So you have local 
local contests and then you have regional contests state country contests and then you go to eurovision and there's finals and semifinals and so on um but will ferrell and rachel mcadams they it's been their dream they've spent their whole lives as local pub musicians they have a ragtag band of kids and old people and they by sheer majestic luck uh, of every norwegian musician dying simultaneously get in invited to perform at Eurovision and it's kind of their story within that but also their personal story as Rachel McAdams character um, has always kind of had a uh, uh, a love interest um, so her character of Secret has always been in love with Will Ferrell's Lars character um, but he's always just sort of seen her as a vehicle to get to Eurofest and it's always uh kind of overlooked her in that that quest i thought it was fun i put it on in the background while i was working i i thought it was will ferrell at a level where if you really don't like will ferrell like he just kind of takes it there and he never goes over the top um i thought it had some great moments it had some weird moments pierce brosnan has some cameos in this as lars's father where he really just doesn't do anything and I just, I, I don't know enough about Eurovision, but from what I have read, fans of Eurovision really like this movie. Um, and a lot of Norwegian, apparently it's tested very well with Norwegian folks. Um, I did see some people on, on Facebook who were, whether facetiously or not, um, complaining that, you know, oh, you couldn't have gotten Norwegian actors to do this. They're all, everybody's putting on bad, act, you know, bad accents and things like that. But for the most part, it sounds like it was like, very well received <laughs> um again i thought it was fun uh you know it it doesn't cost me anything to stick it on netflix it's a little long but <laughs> yeah it's a solid like <laughs> two hours four minutes yeah. but i enjoyed it i you know there's musical numbers it's just kind of it's silly but not in a ridiculous will ferrell silly way i i, I don't know if that's just rachel mcadams balancing him out um but there were some moments where I definitely laughed out loud and I, I thought it was worth a watch, but I think Frank's going to uh, take the opposite on this deep breath guys. Here it comes. <laughs> so, all right. Eurovision. Yes. I, so I had seen this one coming. They really were pushing this one on Netflix. And I mean, if you, if you hadn't logged in, it's not like there's like trailers left and right. Although I feel like on the internet and stuff, there's, there's always stuff about this, but you know, so I knew this was coming. Eurovision is definitely not something I follow, but I am fully aware of its existence. And I know a lot of people who love it and attend like the watch parties at bars or whatever the situation is, whenever it's it's happening. I was looking forward to this in and, and, and again, you know, kind of with the mentality that this is not I'm not the target demo. In, in the sense that I'm not a huge Eurovision fan. However, I am the target demo in that I love watching Will Ferrell be an idiot. I like Will Ferrell <laughs> movies that most people don't like. You know, Talladega Nights is not one that a lot of people like. Um, yeah. You know, Step Brothers is obviously brilliant. And, and there's, a, you know, there some other ones. And, and I there's Will Ferrell movies that I can't stand. 
Sherlock Holmes. I couldn't get past it, you know. And How so, do you feel about kicking and screaming? You know what? I actually kind of like that one. And I love that one. <laughs> yeah, but it, but that's different. That had like a th- that was a totally different story. And the father son yeah. dynamic. And I'll watch anything with Robert Duvall uh, again. You know. And I also I really really like Rachel McAdams. Um, yeah. I love movies with her in them. Like I loved Morning Glory. I don't know if you've seen that mm-hmm. one. But I watch that one regularly, and and that's one that a lot of people don't dig. So I say all this in that I am very receptive to to actors in in movies that aren't universally well received. But I can always find something I enjoy in them, and I enjoy them for what it is. I didn't enjoy this movie on any level at all. I. Wow hated this and and i went into it really excited i was like man tim likes it so i figured if nothing else i'll enjoy it i ended this movie angry for having watched it because that is two hours that i wasn't watching taskmaster or the inside (laughs) of my eyelids which would have been a better use of my time i and and i like that you said you know you kind of put it on in the background I agree with you completely. This is definitely a movie that you put on in the background, you set it on mute, you turn the screen away from you while you watch something enjoyable on Netflix. <laughs> and and this, I mean, I, and I'm sorry. I, I hated everything about it. I thought the acting was abysmal. And I don't have a high bar for Will Ferrell. I do admittedly have a higher bar for Rachel McAdams. I think she's legit at her job um I, I felt like there was absolutely zero chemistry between the two of them absolutely none it felt awkward every time i'd never once bought that they had this long history and friendship together i just i i didn't get into it dan stevens i'm a massive fan of dan stevens i like beauty and the beast the live action and i dig him as the beast and and there's other things that i like with him in it outside of downton abbey i there's a movie the guest which we're we've been talking about doing that might be coming down the road i freaking loved it you know again i give people lots of leeway his character just felt very empty there were so many throwaway moments right where he's he's pursuing uh, and this is in the trailer i'm not going to give any spoilers but he's pursuing secret the whole time and then in just sort of this throwaway line at the end you find out more stuff about him which you know it the whole time but it's so poorly written it's so poorly delivered the the villain quote unquote in this just sort of comes out of nowhere it's it's awful and then the music okay i can see a few redeeming things and here they are i am totally behind the music i'm all about a good musical this doesn't have any music in it there are two scenes where you actually get to hear a song there is a big mashup scene, which is kind of like this riff off from Pitch Perfect type thing, where they've clearly brought in contestants, winners, famous people from real Eurovision. I can absolutely see fans of Eurovision loving this moment. And I thought that was really cool that you're bringing in the real people that brings this legitimacy to you're trying to praise this great thing that, you know, the U.S. doesn't really know a lot about. 
Another moment is the end song where Secret finally sings the song she's secretly writing. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful song. The rest of the time you hear the same like four bars to like 16 or so bars of the of the starts of songs and that is it. And 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 it's all and then just I don't know. I didn't laugh one time. Not one time, Timothy. Not one time did I laugh. And, and nor chuckle, nor even a smirk. Nothing came out of me. I was wow. dead inside. I know. And I wanted so badly to even just like one part of it. I, I found the accents <laughs> horribly distracting. But again, <laughs> fine. Like, have a bad accent. It's, it's meant to be. Okay. The parts that I kind of enjoyed... Number one, I liked when Will Ferrell was just berating the Americans in the movie as an American. I thought that was great. It didn't make me laugh. It just made me be like, yeah, that is that is how the world sees us. So I thought that was I thought that was good. And, and I, I mean, I talked about the songs. I I think that's it. Everything what about else elves being real. Elves dude, being real. Frank. But even that was just not funny. It was so <laughs> dumb and such a throwaway. Every scene in this movie is a throwaway. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. It's so again, and keep in mind, I I did not go into this with a critical eye. These yeah. things that we talk about in the rewind episodes, these are the things that we watch for pleasure and, and whether or not we enjoy it at a very surface level. And I'm telling you, I went into this with zero expectations. I've already told you how low I set the bar and the types of things that I do enjoy. And and this couldn't meet my lowest expectation. Um, I was so disappointed by this, and I I would not <laughs> I would not recommend this this be a watch at all. That, that's that's fine. That just means there's more ya ya ding dong for me. <laughs> okay, wait. That part is kind of <laughs> funny. The when the guy <laughs> they sing all these songs, Secret and Lars. And they're trying to sing their Eurovision songs, and everyone wants them to sing this yaya ding dong song, which is this overtly sexual, like nothing but innuendo songs. The song itself is not funny. It's just no, not. And and, and, not. and but the only slightly funny part is the guy who comes out of the bar and just starts aggressively yelling at Will Ferrell to play Yaya Ding Dong. Um, the an enduring part of the film is at the end when they have, you know, been to Eurovision and and all this, you know, and kind of you know in some version realize their goal right and, and and in some way it's still all anybody really cares about in this town they want them to yeah. sing this ya ya ding dong and so again endearing that like no matter what you achieve or get close to achieving or whatever the situation is at home you're still just the ya ya ding dong guy and yeah. and that's you know that's endearing but again is it worth over two hours and i felt every tick of the clock in my soul tim hair got whiter i my joints got more brittle and i felt the wear of this it was so painful uh yeah i can't i think what i think what we can see right is why and i think we're seeing this with a lot of adam sandler stuff too right yes, why yes. this stuff is direct to netflix because i guarantee you 
I would have a never seen this movie in theaters. Yep. And I would have never seen this preview and been like, oh, I'm going to go see this. I probably would have caught it on cable, you know, someplace on when it inevitably ends up on HBO, like I did with Blades of Glory, like I did with, you know, Kicking and Screaming, eventually ends up on, you know, Stars or uh, someplace. I'm going to catch it and I'll be like, oh, it's on and I'm going to watch it. And I'll be like, oh, okay, that was fun. And I think given this work from home situation where, yeah, I can just, you know, I'm working on something. I need some kind of noise for the background. And it's like, okay. And if it grabs my attention to the project that I'm working on, awesome. And I don't feel like I wasted my time. But had I sat down and dedicated the two hours to it, I might be singing a different tune, right? You know, if oh I actually... God. So basically, Tim, what down. I'm hearing is, is that you liked it because you weren't paying to attention it. to it. <laughs> And I got paid to watch it, essentially. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, my God. You couldn't pay me enough to watch this movie a second time. I mean, I promise. If someone came down and was like, we want to pay you guys to do this podcast full time. We'll pay anything you want. The only thing is you must always rate this movie among other things, not even like your podcast is solely dedicated, but every episode you must talk about this movie. I would say thanks, but no thanks. I'm out. I honestly feel like I might end up watching it again one of these oh days. My God. I might just watch it again. So I think I think everybody needs to let us know how if you you know if you take my if you take my recommendation and go watch this, or if you steer clear and you take take Frank's word for it, uh, or maybe you just want to watch it and then see who's right. Like yes. let us know yes. where you're falling in this. You know, you watched it and you liked it. You watch it and you hate me for recommending it, or you're gonna take Frank at his word and say. Absolutely not. I'll, you know, burn in hell before I watch this movie. Let us know. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to find out. This is unique territory for us. Yes, I would love, I would love nothing more than for that. And so, yes, at some point this week, I will post up uh, like a little poll and you could decide who you agree with over uh, the Eurovision film. Oh, the other thing. Oh, that, that was the other thing. The one thing I did like, I love Graham Norton. I'm a massive, massive Graham Norton fan. And and he plays the UK announcer for the whole Eurovision yeah. show and, and is kind of our main voice through the through the contest. Um, I just felt bad for him. <laughs> that he was in this i was like oh graham if only people knew your greatness and not connected to this horrible <laughs> horrible flaming turd this movie sucks okay so so tim gives it a yay i give it a hard nay um let's end on a high uh yeah, let's do it the last thing we watched, and and i'm not going to sprinkle in the other little tidbits we are going to spend the last few minutes talking about the most anticipated film release since, I don't know, The Empire Strikes Back. This thing is massive. Did it live up to the hype? Let's find out. We're about to talk about Hamilton on the screen. Thanks to Disney+. Plus. Uh, we got that on Friday, July 3rd. Tim, were you... Is, is this one we agree on? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, so this is so we're coming at this from some unique perspectives here. Mm. Um, Frank has devoured the soundtrack, sir. Right? Memorized You've, every line, and has never seen the show live. No, never. I 
steered away from the soundtrack. I, we both worked with some people who were rabid, rabid fans. Uh, Sarah Cohen, I'm looking at you, uh, of this. Sarah Cohen, you and me, my friend, you and me. Right. And I was. (laughs) Although Sarah Cohen is a massive Eurovision fan too. I would be, (laughs) I am so excited to hear what she thinks. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Back to Hamilton. So uh, I took the opposite approach. Uh, I stayed away from it. You know, I've read a bunch of articles. People are saying, don't listen to the soundtrack. Listen to the soundtrack. You know, if you're going to see it, do this. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to reserve the experience because I was able to see it uh, at the Kennedy Center uh, when they got one of the first touring runs two summers ago. Mm -hmm. I'll say 2017, maybe 2018. Yeah, 18, 20... I think is it 2018. I think because yeah. I, I, yeah, I was still and, at Ford's when it happened. Yeah, so it's 2018. Um, and I will say that I think I did myself a disservice by not listening to the soundtrack. Um, it played in a giant theater at the Kennedy Center, which is a shame. And, yeah, and we were in the back row under the balcony, and that theater was not built for this type of music. Um, it got swallowed when you have the rap and the hip hop where the words are quick, you know, quick fire. It just, you, you don't get it, you know, like you just not reaching you it as words. It's just a mess. And that made the first act really, really difficult to get into it because you're having a hard time figuring out what is going on, who's who. Um, And then the second act, you know, switches things up and kind of takes some different approaches to some music um, and hit home more. But by that point, I was already feeling disappointed that I was like, I'm missing something. What did I miss? You know, everybody loves this and I'm just sort of so, so, so I've been waiting cause I'm not going to pay that kind of money again. I was lucky to get the, the you know, I didn't, uh, we didn't have to outlay so much cash to see it the first time. Um, so I've been waiting for this opportunity to, to see it again, to see how I would feel. Um, you know, so that's a little bit of where I'm coming from with it. Uh, it's sort of a, not a troubled past with it, but it's, you know, kind of a stilted relationship so far. Yeah. So I, like you said, I was the complete opposite. Um, it was never going to be in the cards for me to go see this show. When the soundtrack came out, I bought it instantly. And I know the music line by line. One of my favorite songs in act one is guns and ships. And that's David mm-hmm. Diggs's kind of solo where he holds the record for most words spoken within like a minute or whatever in theater um, because he raps this so crazy fast in the album you get it you get every word and and it's awesome and and I can absolutely see it getting lost it's even lost a little bit and it's muddied even in the Disney production um This show, just the idea of this being at the Kennedy Center instantly enrages me once I've seen the performance. When you see the stage and how they use it and how this is meant to play out, it has no business being at the Kennedy Center. In fact, this belongs at Ford's. Like, I could see this at Ford's. It would be perfect at Ford's. Um, All that being said... I have been dying to see this. 
getting to watch this, uh, first of all, I cannot say enough. Um, Lin-Manuel had been very vocal early on that, yes, this was coming to, to film. This was going to be accessible to folks, but it was going to be a long way off, right? He did not want to hurt the theatrical run. You know, I believe in, in early interviews, like when this slammed hit in, you know, like 2015, 2016, it was... You know, like 20 years from now, there might be a film adaptation or whatever the situation is. Um, so I was resigned to waiting a long time to get to actually see this play out in any way, whether it be uh, a film release of the theater production or a um, dramatization, right? Like like the Gerard Butler version of Phantom or or sure. the, you know, Hugh Jackman Les Mis or, or whatever, as opposed to, you know, Into the Woods or, or some of the other ones that are actual, you know, film ad- or filmed versions of the production itself. Um, right. So for this to come out so quickly and, and give so many people, I mean... In a lottery, maybe 200 bucks per ticket to go see this show, right? Now, all of a sudden, for six bucks, you and your entire family can watch it. Now, watching it, well, the first thing I noticed right away, this will never take away from the live performances. There is so much you don't see, right? And and if you know anything about theater, which I am not well-versed, but having worked at Ford's and and enjoying theater to the extent that I do... um, I am aware that even a small stage is massive compared to a television screen, and that is evident here. Um, there's so much more happening that you can't see. And and, and yeah. so, if anything, watching this it makes you want to go see the stage performance even more. Um, yeah, it's, it's a much different experience because um, they actually, this is filmed very theatrically. I mean, this is not... Yeah. This is not a single camera view that is wide and catching the the entire um, you know action. This there are close ups, there are zoom in shots, there um, you know so you're you're missing some of the what is happening around you. You know the, like as sets are changing, or pieces are coming in or coming out, and there's not much to the set, but it works and it fits you know what it is. And you do you lose that that atmosphere it's a lot to me like when uh you know people go to a hockey game and they're like oh it's nothing like this on tv it's like yeah because you're zoomed in and you're watching one part of the action there's a whole arena worth of stuff that's going on outside of the frame of the camera so absolutely it's fantastic that this is accessible but it's to me no different than a live concert you know your favorite band you're gonna watch their live concert filmed at red rocks or you know the hollywood bowl or where wherever that is but that's never gonna replace being there for you and if anything this should make you more excited for that opportunity whether it's now or down the line when it when it gets into um into cheaper venues and i and i i sort of disagree with with manuel miranda i don't think they're they're going to cheapen it by by releasing this. If anything, I think it's just going to amp people up more. I mean, the Kennedy Center was ready to bring it back already. It was supposed to be playing there now um, until September, only two years after it was last there. And it was going to be played for like 16, 17 weeks. And people were still buying up these tickets. And I, I just, I don't see how 
if even if they still released this, that if you were like, oh, I'm good, I don't need to, you know, I, I feel like this is just the next iteration, right? So now that you've seen it, you're like, oh, yeah, now I got to see that other part of it, right? I've got to see that other version because it's a completely different experience. You're going to end up with three different experiences and maybe four down the road if we if you ever get like a theatrical, you know, uh, non-stage version of it. Yeah, and I'll say too, it's and it's noticeable, it, it takes a while before you realize, like I think, you know, where the Skylar sisters are walking through town and you're like, are they on a treadmill? And then it, yeah. so it takes a couple beats before you realize how the stage rotates and there's a rings to it and all this kind of stuff, which is stuff that would be immediately visible and awe-inspiring when you're watching it in the theater and it takes a little bit here i will say i love the way this is filmed um the direction in this is brilliant it is the perfect blend of uh of a recorded theatrical performance and a a film adaptation it is shot like cinema and yeah. and and that's amazing and you know i use the example of uh, into the woods and a lot of time my experience with watching these um recorded productions tends it, there's just there's not a lot of production value you know the right. wow factor of the stage pieces is lost on camera and when you have this sure. wide angle i feel like i'm watching one of the actors you know uncles who filmed on a yep. on a nice camera you know what i'm saying yeah. as opposed to this which really follows and enhances the experience by making it more cinematic, you know, it increases the drama and it invests you. And, he, and I was I was completely drawn in. So it's almost like it says, look, if we show the whole stage, it's not going to look good. It's not going to look as good. It's not going to be as appealing. You're not going to get it. So let's focus in and make this cinematic and drive that emotion through the cuts, through the angles, through the variations and using cameras to our advantage. And it does it brilliantly. The music holds up. I, I, I remember my first thing being shocked that essentially the soundtrack is the play. If you listen, yeah. start to finish, that is the play. I was expecting dialogue in between songs. Not a lot, but a little, and that's not the case. So, yeah. but then there are little gems. There are, I think, Tim, you said two. I noticed one out the gate. Um, there are moments that are not in the soundtrack. And so when you hit these little beats, you're just kind of like, what was that? That little treasure, yeah. that little nugget. Yeah, there's apparently, uh, there are two moments um, in, in the play. One is what is the longest non-sung piece of dialogue which by long it's like 10 words <laughs> like right. there there really is no spoken dialogue um and that did not make it into the soundtrack so a lot of people were were kind of you know interested in that part because it is it's a little nugget there and then apparently the ending and this speaks a lot to to what you were just saying about the camera work is that you know because you have this ability to uh, zoom in on Eliza at the end has apparently settled or maybe re-enraged a, a debate about how the play actually ends. She ends the play with an audible like gasp um, that is not part of the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. um, and they say if you focus in on her, 
she's always every time she mentions alexander hamilton's name in that closing song she's lifting her eyes up towards the rafters to the heavens um so people are there's been a debate about how they feel like this play ended and uh articles are saying now that they feel like this was her you know this is her death scene and she is looking up to see alexander waiting for her and that gasp is her you know having that realization that there he is waiting for her to cross over and that's something that people even in the theater couldn't get because you're missing those little eye movements um and things like that so again there's those little nuggets that you're gonna experience something different every time um you know so whether it's your soundtrack person and a movie person you know it's 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 like you know reading a book too you're gonna get some different stuff out of it and it's just there's it's just awesome to have different ways to consume to consume this product no it's uh, you know it's so true i will say coming to from the soundtrack i think i expected some more dialogue because i was looking for a little bit more transition between some of the scenes there is this is definitely a bit choppy in terms of of a performance in general right and i wasn't expecting that i will say though that the scenes are so powerful and so incredible and so well done you forgive that but there's not this isn't like a dramatic piece or anything else you are jumping from bit to bit to bit and and it's and there are times where it can be a little bit jarring and mm-hmm. so if we're going to be critical about anything that might be it there has been obviously too a lot of conversation especially in light of what's happening in the in the in the nation but also in the global climate around you know history and and how we portray our history and the forefathers and that kind of stuff there's been a lot of talk after the release of Hamilton about how, you know, we may look back on this and maybe not so fondly, et cetera, et cetera. I would say that I didn't get that watching this, to be honest. I didn't think it focused on that. I think it focused very much on one man's experience and how he came up, you know, in terms of how accurate his abolitionist stances were or weren't or or whatever. I think they just, they speak to these movements being in progress. And, and we accept that a lot of these men were men of their time. There's, you know, there's the lines where, you know, and if you listen to the soundtrack, when he's, you know, having the cabinet meetings with uh, Jefferson and Jefferson's like, oh, Virginia's debts are paid. And he's like, yeah, because you guys have slaves, you know, so you, we are talking about this. And again, I, I don't know. Washington is my favorite president for a lot of reasons. And he is not a perfect person by any stretch. Um, this show even made him more so my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last yeah. time, the song One Last Time, when that comes on, guys, listen to that. It is yeah. so powerful, especially in light of today. Um but you know washington was not he was a slave owner and he was a lot of bad things but he did a lot and i i watched this through the lens of this was the first step we had to achieve this so that we could move forward in every way and we're still doing that work and it's a shame that we're still doing that work this many years removed but but again that is i understand the conversation i would i hope that that doesn't hinder how you view this because this really is a once in a lifetime play a performance a just this is in terms of created work it is among the best i have ever witnessed i was crying through the whole thing 
it it was and, and that is not the case when I listen to the soundtrack, but just with the visuals and the way that it's done, it's 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 perfection. I loved every second of it. Yeah, it definitely it it's entering a world that is is foreign to the world that it entered to as a stage play. You know, so I, I you started to see the articles kind of float around and I, I hope I hope it doesn't go that far. Um because again, I think you're 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 spot on with that. Um, I think it knows what it is, and I, I don't think that changes anything. As somebody who's been connected for theater as long as I have been, you know, musicals have never been my thing. I like a lot of the old campy musicals, you know, seventeen seventy six, Guys and Dolls, uh, Music Man, and Broadway musicals are just not really my thing. I'd rather see a good play. Mm. Um, but the phenomenon that was this is not like anything, you know, I, people who love musicals get excited about musicals. I get that, right? You, you get excited about the thing that you love. But this transcended. I mean, this was that purely a phenomenon. Yep. And I don't know that I can think of another play, musicals especially in my, my, my life, that was a phenomenon. Maybe Lion King. But even then, yeah, it doesn't approach Hamilton. Lion and King even that was the... just visually like they created yeah. giraffes out of people, and they like the puppetry work was, you know, you could appreciate that. It was awesome. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I'm more in love with it now, I think, than when I initially saw it. The music has been much more stuck in my head. I love the second act. You know, you talked about the jarringness a little bit, and I think that subsides a little bit more in the second act when you kind of get more into the story. There's a lot cut covered in the first act and i feel you know you're jumping around through the revolution and that the energy of that first act really works um for the revolution and then you get into that that second part of his life um and i just love that second act but this is just it, this has repaired that first experience for me of what i had when i saw it at the kennedy center and i would definitely go see it again given the affordable opportunity <laughs> to do so yeah yeah know? no if i could ever see it i absolutely would and, and i agree with you i think what hamilton did was and, and you're so you're so right if you love musicals you get excited for musicals but people who don't like musicals loved this and it yeah. brought in a whole wave of people who would normally never go to the theater on top of all that i agree with you again completely the first act is awesome but when you get into that second act that's where the heart really comes into this and and that's where a lot of things really sit heavy you know and not just with hamilton i talked a bit about you know the one last time song and and all these moments right where you Everything is deeper and richer. And, and what's awesome is you you watch the second act for about an hour before you get Jefferson coming back out. It's like, can we get back to politics? <laughs> right. And then they do the next cabinet battle. And, and you realize it's like, oh, my God, you're right. Like we've been, you know, really diving into the life of this person and the struggles and, and, and whatever the situation. Right. And so it's it's so incredibly done. Disney did an amazing job with bringing this together it's beautifully shot i think it does just enough justice to the theater but also really brings a cinematic quality to it that can again make it enjoyable 
to a, a massive, massive audience who maybe mm-hmm. wouldn't enjoy it if it was shot in a traditional way that you would shoot a Broadway production and put it onto a DVD. Um, yeah. and, and so, again, so much care was taken to really just continue revolutionizing how we ingest theater. And yeah. and so, I, I don't know, it was... It was it was worth every bit of hype. It absolutely incredible. My strongest recommendation to date. Absolutely. Yeah. And we and we have been touting Disney Plus from day one. If this doesn't get you to sign up, I don't know what else will. I can't wait to watch it again and again and again and again and again. Have you looked have you looked into any of the background behind the actual filming of this? I, I'm intrigued and I just haven't sat down to do it yet. No, to speak to that, I don't know a lot about it, but I do know that it was filmed across three performances and then piecemealed together um, okay. a bit. So so there is some of like the this performance was better, this ended up being more powerful, and I can't talk about it enough. I want and I need to look this up and I don't know, but the one last time song the way it Mm -hmm. ends and i know that this these three performances after this uh the the original cast starts bowing out right Right. so leslie oda moves on lin-manuel moves on um you know uh philippa so moves on a lot of people just start going on to their next things and and that's where replacements come in and then this goes on the national tour etc so I'm not sure how many of these performances might have been final performances for some of these actors. Oh, but when George Washington ends his it's almost as if it's the last time he's singing it, which again for it being one last time, uh, it's unbelievable. I would love to dive into that a little bit deeper and see if any of these performances were final performances for folks. Because that would just add a whole nother element to it. But I will say, it is like, it is each song almost at its best. Absolutely, an absolutely massive, massive recommendation from me on this one. And I think I I can speak for us both. You agree? Uh, Absolutely. All right. Well, as all like we're gonna do the same thing we did last time. Um, all the stuff we talked about, all the stuff we recommended, including so even if it's in the news section, if we're talking about something and we recommend it, uh, I'll post it all up so you can see exactly what it is, where to watch it, and what we thought about it. Eurovision will be a challenge this week, but I'll figure something out. <laughs> and uh, and yes, like Tim said, we'll, there's always going to be great content. Follow us on Instagram at Pause Reviews, uh, polls, all kinds of stuff. Speaking of that, if you follow us, we put the yeah. next episode into your hands. What are we going to watch? We asked you. We gave you a choice between The Gentleman and Knives Out, and I think it was 60-40 split chose The Gentleman. So our next film will be The Gentleman. Thank you guys for voting. Uh, follow us there for you know not only this content behind the scenes stuff. We did Independence Day, and I posted up some pictures of that. You know, um, and then just you know recommendations, whatever we do it all. So check us out Instagram at Pause Reviews, and and let us know if you liked the whole voting for the next episode thing, and we'll do that a little bit more. I think there's yeah. a couple that we kind of have in our mind that we want to do next, um, but it's absolutely I, I loved it. I thought it was a blast uh, kind of seeing people's reactions to that. So the next episode will be The Gentleman, so you can uh, rent that or buy that wherever you get your movies. I don't think that's streaming anywhere as of yet, so that would be a rental. 
Obviously, subscribe and share and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you can check us out there. You can go to the website, pausedreviews.com, follow the links, or just kind of peruse around a little bit. We have our whole archive there, whatever. And if you have anything and you want to email us instead of shooting us DMs or whatever the situation is, you can do that too, pausedreviews at gmail.com. I think that about covers everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as much as we could without doing a deep dive on it. Oh my god, I so want to do one. All right, guys, thanks for hanging in with us. This one we we had a crazy week, and it was a holiday week, so we kind of threw this one together. Um, but thank you guys for hanging out with us, and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode, The Gentlemen. Uh, until then, I'm your boy Frank. This is Tim. We'll catch you guys on the next one. See you.